How can a Christian view the hot topic of abortion? We all need to make sure we are looking at this issue through God's eyes, that every life has value because He has given it value. Hey there, and welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer. For today's episode, I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Unshaken is a podcast to encourage really all women that we can stand securely, no matter our circumstances, because of Christ. I'm so grateful that even in the topic of today, we can stand securely. We don't have to be shaken. Today's episode is episode number 172. Now, it's a pre-recorded talk that was given at our Regarding Him conference by Abby Bellis, and the topic is sort of a hot topic in the world, and a hot topic in the church, and a hot topic all over social media. We are going to focus today on how you and I can purpose to be pro-life, not just in words alone, but with real and practical actions. Let's jump in and hear what Abby shares about how you and I can live purposely pro-life. Hi, my name is Abby Bellis, and I am the Social Services Director at Heartbeat of Toledo, where I have been for about six years now. We facilitate about four to 5,000 parenting classes a year and, and have about 900 to 1,000 clients in the pregnancy center, most having an unplanned pregnancy. It has been one of the most rewarding experiences of my life, but has also been one of the most heartbreaking and challenging as well. I have worked most consistently as an advocate at Heartbeat, meeting with women who are pregnant. About half of the women I have met with in my time there have been considering abortion as one of their options. I'm going to share a few messages that resemble messages I have received from some of my clients over the past few years. These are clients that chose abortion. Hey Abby, I'm at the abortion clinic waiting and my heart is breaking. They gave me pills before coming here that I had to take. I'm already cramping, but it's too late now anyways. I hope God forgives me. My husband and I are not happy, but our circumstances right now don't allow us to take on another responsibility. Hi, Abby. Um, Thank you for this text. I do appreciate your caring heart. Right now, I would like to have some time to myself. I have made a tough decision which somehow broke my heart, and I haven't forgiven myself yet. I am still dealing with the emotions and pain, and I don't feel ready to talk to anyone. Just pray for me, please. Thank you for thinking about me. Hey, Abby, um, I know I was supposed to let you guys know if I was going to get an abortion. I'm in the waiting room crying because I don't want it done, but I know I need to. You don't understand how I feel, and I have no one to talk to about it. I want to walk out so bad, you just don't understand. I am so sad, but I can't keep it at all. I just don't know what to do. Hey, Abby, I just got here, and it's so full in here. There is no place to even sit. I guess it's just the consultation today, and procedure is rescheduled for another day. I am just numb feeling right now, and there are lots of girls in here crying. I'm just really sad. Hey, Abby, I did have the procedure done, and it was really tough, and I think about it every day. Looking back after everything had happened, I realized that I was in a very abusive relationship. I'm just depressed and regretful and hating myself a bit. Hey, Abby, yes, I did go through with taking the pill. I just want to say thank you so much for all of your help and for listening to me while I cried. 
I wish I had made a better decision in my life, and I hadn't done this. I will honestly ask God for forgiveness for the rest of my life, and I will never, ever have an abortion again. I also wish I could tell you I had been brave enough not to go through with it this time. This is the reality of abortion. It isn't a simple procedure, and it isn't without consequences. You can hear the desperation, grief, and regret in these messages. These aren't women who feel empowered. These are women who feel trapped and alone. These aren't hashtag shout your abortion moments. Abortion flourishes in the darkness, relying on deception and half-truths. Wherever the light of truth and love shines, darkness weathers away. So one of my goals today is to shed some light on this subject and hopefully give you the confidence to shine that light even further. Our theme for the conference this year is purpose. So when I was asked to do this talk, I thought, what does it mean to be purposefully pro-life? And I came up with three main questions to try and answer. What is God's view of life? How can we help women facing unplanned pregnancy? And how can we help women who've had abortions? And just before we get started, I do want to acknowledge anyone that may be listening who may have had an abortion. I will be talking to you at the end of this. Just know that there is hope and forgiveness. There is no passage that directly says, thou shalt not abort. But there are passages that give us a glimpse into the miracle that happens in the womb and tell us how God feels about the ending of a life. Psalm 139, 11 through 16 is one of those passages, and it is one that we will be focusing on today. This is a Psalm of David. Surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you, for you formed me in my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. From these verses, we know that God created us in his image. He knit us together in our mother's womb, and of all things that God created, nothing is more like him than humans. We were created literally in his image. We are like him in ways that nothing else in creation can be. We are capable of a conscious relationship with him, of fellowship um, with him as well. We reflect his nature. We can think, reason, love, will, and act. We know right from wrong. Even despite our sin, God still crowns us with glory and honor. Just as God gave man dominion over all the rest of creation at the beginning, so man still rules over creation for God. We also see God's care for humans. He knows our frame and values us more than the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. He is our potter our, and our creator. Human life is good because God gives dignity to human life. So let's narrow our focus a little more from God's view of all human life to his view of children and pregnancy. The Bible establishes that God knows and values us before we are born. As Jeremiah says, before I was born, the Lord called me. And God not only knows us before we are born, but he is the one forming us out of dust, just as our passage says. For you formed me in my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. 
There's also a lot of other scriptural support for the humanity of an unborn child. We see the physical reaction that John the Baptist has to Jesus in the womb and the wrestling of Jacob and Esau before they were born. In the book of Luke, the same Greek word is used to describe children in three different stages of life. The unborn John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1, the newborn baby Jesus in Luke chapter 2, and the young children who were brought to Jesus for his blessing in Luke chapter 18. We can then conclude that God sees unborn babies as no less valuable than a newborn baby or a child. I did a study of the word children in the Bible, and some of the words used to describe children were blessing, gift, arrows in our quiver, crown to the aged, a heritage, and a reward. When someone who supports abortion describes unborn children, they use words such as a danger to the environment, an inconvenience, a parasite, and a clump of cells that will ruin your life. What a distinction we can see between those two. God clearly values the children and sees them as a gift and a blessing, while those who support abortion see them as a consequence and an inconvenience unless they are wanted. We can also see how God values life by how he views the ending of a life that he has created and that bears his image. The most obvious way is to look at the Ten Commandments. God clearly states, thou shall not kill in Exodus 20. The word kill in this passage is not referring to those who die in an act of war or who are put to death in a judicial execution. It is referring to illegal murder. In Exodus 21, it describes a scenario in which a man hits a pregnant woman and causes her to give birth prematurely. If there is no serious injury, the man is required to pay a fine. But if there is serious injury, either to the mother or the child, then the man is guilty of murder and subject to the penalty of death. This command legitimizes the humanity of the unborn child and places the child's life on the level of that adult male who took the life. We also see similar laws in the United States today, that if an unborn child at any stage is harmed or killed, there can be severe consequences. But the qualifier here is that the child is wanted. In order to value life the way that God does, we need to see the inherent value of the unborn baby being formed in the womb, recognizing the unique personhood of each one, and that when an abortion happens, it is stopping the forming of that child by God's hand in the womb. We also need to change how we look at women facing unplanned pregnancy and who've had abortions. We can't say we value life, but then totally ignore the life of the woman sitting in front of us. I saw an image a few years ago, and it really stuck with me. Um, if you have your handout, it is illustration 1.1. If you don't have the handout, I will just briefly describe it to you. <clears throat> there is a canyon and in the, in the middle of two cliffs, and in the canyon is a downcast pregnant silhouette. On either side of the canyon, there is a group of people. The people on one side are holding signs that show babies. People on the other side are holding signs that show women. Um, but both sides here are missing the point. <clears throat> I have been there on the baby side of that cliff. I didn't have a whole lot of compassion or love for mothers um, who were in an unplanned pregnancy, and I really only valued the baby's lives. But now I'm so thankful that God has brought me to my current job um, to teach me how to love these women, and he has really changed my perspective. I went from I am pro-life because of the baby to I am pro-life because I see the dignity in all human life and I value both persons in front of me, the unborn child and the woman carrying that child. Also recognizing that you can't have one without the other. The life of the child can't be saved without the help of the mother. 
I fight against abortion because I want them both to have life, and I see the very obvious ending of the life of the child and the changing of the mother's life forever when an abortion takes place. If we value these lives in the way that God does, we have to look for ways to break cycles and support these pregnant women. So now that we've answered that first question, let's move on to the second. How can we help those facing unplanned pregnancy? I want to give you tangible ways to help, but I think first we have to be aware of how often unplanned pregnancy ends in abortion. We may think abortion hasn't personally touched our lives or the lives of our loved ones, but I can tell you that it probably has or will at some point in time. In 1973, um, the infamous Roe versus Wade court case happened. Abortion became more accessible than it ever had been before. Since then, about 50 million abortions have been performed in America. According to a study done by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention in 2003, about 43% of all American women will have at least one abortion by the age of 45. 20% of these are performed on teenagers, and 50% are performed on women who have had at least one abortion already. If you look on your handout, there is a graph that goes over the abortion rate in illustration 1.2. At the time that abortion became legal, the abortion ratio was 19.6 abortions per 100 live births. This number continued to increase over the following years, peaking at 36.4 abortions per 100 live births in 1984. The last recorded ratio was from 2016, and this ratio was 18.6 per 100 live births. On average, every fifth baby that is conceived and viable in this country is killed by abortion. And this is only from the states that are required to abort. There are even more undocumented abortions that we don't know about. My point here is that it's more prevalent than you may think, and because abortion is done in secrecy quite often, you may never know who it has affected in your life. So what are some tangible ways that we can be combating abortion? Start by asking God to help you see people the way that he sees people. Be willing to have conversations on this subject, support those in need when you hear of a need, and get involved in the community. There is a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer that says, Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, and not to act is to act. We as Christians are called to have an opinion on this and to speak the truth. There is no perfect formula for having a conversation surrounding this subject, but seeking to be informed and willingness to have the conversation will go a long way. And no, I'm not just talking about having conversations on social media. I think our online interaction can sometimes hurt our ability to have meaningful conversations. Social media can be a helpful tool used to encourage and communicate or an extremely harmful one if not used correctly. I have never seen someone change their mind on a subject such as abortion as a result of a Facebook post or a comment war. However, a conversation privately or in person may bring much more fruit. I've had a lot of conversations over the years. Um, I've talked with strangers on college campuses, at abortion clinics, at churches, and even at home with loved ones. And your conversations may look very different than mine. But just know that even if you aren't talking to your kids, family members, friends, about pregnancy and abortion, that someone probably is. Even if that someone is at a plant 
is a Planned Parenthood blog that they have found on Google, or a TV show, or a movie they watched on Netflix, or appear at work or at school. I remember a particular conversation a few years ago talking to my little brothers in the car. I had seen a 14-year-old client that week, and it was quite sobering to look at my then 14-year-old brothers and think of them in similar situations. I said, boys, if you ever get someone pregnant, or your friend gets someone pregnant, or your friend is pregnant, please don't hesitate to ask for help. That doesn't mean I want this to happen, but I know that we all make mistakes, and that mistake is never the baby. Their eyes got very big, and I knew that they would remember this conversation for a long time. Our words are important, so be very purposeful in the words that you use in these conversations because it may affect a decision down the road for the positive or the negative. I hear these statements all the time. My parents will kill me. They told me they would kick me out. They told me they would disown me if this ever happened. These conversations may have occurred five years ago in passing, and yet they are at the forefront of my client's mind now that they are in that exact hypothetical situation they talked with their parents about. There seems to be somewhat of a disconnect. Their parents may not have a problem with premarital sex, but they do have a problem if their child comes home pregnant. So what are my clients thinking? That if they tell their parents they are pregnant, they will have no support. If they have an abortion, though, they don't ever have to tell anyone that they're pregnant. I spend a lot of time undoing the negative words of my clients' support people and helping them to see that all of the what-ifs that are being thrown at them are not reality. Satan is yelling in their ear that they are alone and trying to push them towards abortion. You can't do this. You're being selfish because you're in no posi position to raise a child. Your other children deserve your attention. You should finish school first. You should be married. You should be financially stable. This baby will ruin your future plans for your life. And even in some extreme circumstances, there are threats of physical harm from those that are in their life. So imagine the impact of the opposite statements. You can do this. You aren't alone because I am here to help you. Your children will love having another sibling. You can finish school and have a baby. You can still get married. They need to hear that doing the right thing never ruins their life. Be a light in the darkness for them. Clients who have a good support system encouraging them to keep the baby and offering actual help have a much higher likelihood of choosing to continue the pregnancy. If you don't know how to support someone or what the resources are out there, here are some practical ways to take action. Um, and everyone's involvement may look a little bit different. It doesn't mean that each one of you needs to work at a pregnancy center. Become familiar with the resources that are out there to help pregnant women so that when the time comes and you hear of a need, you are ready. Um, consider adoption or supporting a pregnancy center, either financially or with your time and skills. Heartbeat of Toledo's mission is to help moms, dads, and babies in need. The Heart to Heart program is a pregnancy and parenting education program where parents come in and take classes, earn points, and spend points on baby items. This program's goal is to educate and support parents in the area and not only with material goods, but also with peer and mentor relationships. Our other program is called Your First Look. It is a pregnancy help center where we perform pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, counseling, and resource connection. All of these services are free, and this is just one of the many resources in our area that can help. We are always looking for people to get involved, and I can honestly say that it makes such a difference to the clients and the staff. 
As a volunteer, there are many ways for you to tangibly meet the needs of moms and families who need support. And that doesn't just mean sorting baby clothes. There are volunteers who fill client shopping orders in the baby boutique, sort donations, do laundry, or help with any special skills they have like sewing quilts, knitting hats, helping with marketing, accounting, and even event planning. You have the ability to make a difference in the lives of those around you and in the community, whether that's through having those tough conversations, offering support, or getting involved. When we follow these steps, we see the fruit. I wanted to share with you some texts from a few women who decided to keep their baby because of the support and encouragement they received. Hey, Abby, I had my little girl. She is very healthy. Everything has worked itself out. I am no longer feeling down, and I believe she is to thank for that. Thank you for everything you've helped me with in this process. Hey, Abby, my baby is eight weeks old, and she is by far the best thing that has ever happened to me. I have never before known a love so pure and so tender. Because of this precious child, I am finally able to appreciate Christ's love for me, and I feel his love every time my daughter curls her little fingers around my own. I have not had any more bouts with depression. The only angst I feel is that of being torn between wondering how I ever lived without her and at the same time feeling as though I've known her all of my life. Hey, Abby, I wanted to thank you for the support I received from you and Heartbeat. I can't believe that I almost considered not bringing my best friend into the world. Without our Heartbeat, I would probably have made the wrong decision and missed out on the happiest thing that has ever happened to me. Literally one ultrasound has made me the woman I am today. Thank you. Hey, Abby, my baby was born a few weeks early. I think back on all of the times his life almost ended, and I am so happy it didn't. Between having the appointment at the abortion clinic to the doctor offering me a pill to terminate because his diagnosis wasn't good, I am amazed that he is here. But I was determined to fight as long as he had a heartbeat. You texted me and... and <clears throat> You texted me and I told you my complications and I reached out to all of my prayer warriors. Without your support, I don't think I would have been strong enough to continue continue fighting. I am blessed. Thank you. Looking at the first set of texts that were read in this set, you can see the contrast between them. One choice is pushing these mothers towards depression and lifelong struggle. The other one is healing them and giving them joy and blessing. I have never had a client regret keeping their baby but I have had many clients regret their abortions. So now we've kind of covered question number two. Um, Let's move on to question number three. What happens if you have offered all of the love and support and they still choose abortion? If we go back to Psalm 139, 11 through 13, it says, Surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. The darkness is not too dark to God. Remember, this is a psalm of David, a man after God's own heart, but also an adulterer and a murderer. David knew the pain of losing a child as a direct result of his sin. But no one's sin is more powerful than God's grace. I am struck by a thought over and over when I walk out of the counseling room that Jesus is the only thing separating me from making the same decisions. I generally see people go one of three ways after having an abortion. Number one, they become angry. Or number two, they confess, heal, and move on. Or number three, they silently suffer the guilt. 
Most of the post-abortive women I have encountered are in category number three. A study was done that gathered information um, from women who'd had abortions. About 38% of the women experienced effects extreme enough to be classified as abortion-specific PTSD. This 38% was polled one month after the abortion and then two years down the road. It was shown that their negative effects had been increasing, not decreasing. According to the same study, there is no evidence that abortion can resolve or improve mental health. In fact, this study shows that it only affects them negatively. A few years ago, um, I had a friend who was telling me a story about one of his coworkers. This coworker was pregnant and considering abortion for a number of reasons. My friend offered financial help and even to adopt the baby. They had many conversations about this over the course of a few weeks, um, but ultimately, the coworker decided to choose abortion. My friend was obviously disheartened by this, um, and I asked him if he had ever followed up with his coworker once they had gone through with it. And he said to me, what's the point? It's already over. And this seems to be just a common response. Um, once the abortion is done, there is this perception that the battle has been lost. But that isn't the case. Yes, a life has been ended tragically, but these mothers and fathers are going to be broken, lost, feeling guilty, and feeling very alone. They may also now be more susceptible to having another abortion. But we know that, it, that no one is too lost to find hope and healing in Jesus' name. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We must help them accept what has happened, own their part in it, and see that God can forgive them so that they can move on. There is a line in a song that says, The sin that promised joy in life has led me to the grave. Abortion proponents want to say that making that choice will lead to freedom and happiness, but it does not. But God often uses our sin, suffering, and sadness to bring us to a knowledge of Him or a deeper understanding of who He is and our need for Him. As you saw in the text that were read at the beginning, there were a few themes running throughout. The desire for forgiveness was one of them. The phrase is, I hope God forgives me, I haven't forgiven myself, I will honestly ask God's forgiveness for the rest of my life were used. They desperately seek forgiveness that can only be found in Christ, and they either don't believe they deserve it or don't even know how to start looking for it. But how powerful it can be when they do accept God's forgiveness. I see post-abortive men and women who have dealt with their abortion share their stories to encourage others not to make the same choices. And what a witness that is. They once considered themselves lost causes, but these lost causes are exactly who God uses to overturn the evil they were once involved in and to bring himself glory. We can see the biblical example of the Apostle Paul. He went from Saul, the man leading the persecution of early Christians, to Paul, the man leading and encouraging the early church and being persecuted himself. A more recent example of this is a woman, a woman named Abby Johnson. She used to be the director of a Planned Parenthood in Texas, where she worked for about eight years. She personally had two abortions. One day, she was at work assisting an abortion doctor in an ultrasound-guided abortion. Her eyes were opened to what abortion is when she saw the baby move away from the instruments they were using. God used that experience to bring her out of the abortion industry and to start fighting to end abortion. 
Abby started a nonprofit that helps abortion workers leave by providing them a way out and has now helped over 550 people leave. So don't write anybody off, those who work in abortion clinics, who've had abortions, or who are the loudest pro-choice voices. God can change their heart and use them to further his kingdom, and he may be calling you to play a part in their story. So now we've answered all of the questions, or at least touched on all of them. We know what God's view of life is, we know how to help women in an unplanned pregnancy, and we know how to help those who've had abortions. We all need to make sure we are looking at this issue through God's eyes, that every life has value because he has given it value. Jesus was someone who ate with tax collectors and sinners. He came to heal the sick, not the healthy, and often uses us to be his hands and feet. Let's all purpose to live in the power of the grace that called us out of darkness into light and shine that light on the darkness of abortion. By having those hard conversations, being ready to jump in and provide support and resources, and helping break unhealthy cycles in the lives of those choosing abortion. Okay, that was a great talk. It was full of such great practical ideas that are really helpful. I think one thing that really hit me as I listened was the fact that all people are made in God's image, and we should pray for those around us who who champion abortion, or perhaps for the mother who has an unwanted pregnancy or has already had an abortion. We need to care about the mother and the child, and I love how Abby encouraged us with real practical ways to love, serve, and care for those who are facing this unwanted pregnancy. I love her call to us to not give up on anyone who has an opposing opinion about life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are clear in the Bible that life is from you. And I pray that you would give us great wisdom as we care for those around us who are dealing with unwanted pregnancies. I also pray that you would give us the strength to speak when the opportunity comes, but also to be wise in how we speak. Help us to love those around us and to be diligent to pray about this important issue. In Jesus' name, amen. And it's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbit. A tiny tidbit is a small piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's Tiny Tidbit is brought to you from Morgan Wing. I almost said your old name, to be honest. (laughs) So, Morgan Wing, what do you got for us today? So, I'm a new mother, and one of my goals is to instill a love for God's Word in my children. Historically, the Hebrew people, who were God's chosen people in the Bible, would give their children honey when they were reading the Bible. So, um, their children would associate sweetness with reading the Word of God. I've decided to use this approach with my one-year-old son by letting him choose a piece of candy each time we are reading the Bible. Um, This has helped him to be excited when we start reading the Bible. He actually will grab my Bible and bring it up to me because he knows he gets candy. Yeah. So hopefully this will um, provide a lifelong love for scripture that's just kind of subliminally teaching him to love God's Word. I love it. I love it. I love the fact that it's something that actually correlates back to the Bible. Yeah. You know, like the Bible is is sweet. It's sweet to us. So what a great idea. Until you start getting king-size candy bars, Morgan, <laughs> and think, oh yeah, I'm going to have to eat this. You can read the Bible, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're not doing that, but great idea. Great idea. Hey, 
Hey, thanks for listening to this episode today. I hope that it was encouraging and challenging to you. Join us next week as we are continuing our series called Feminology. We'll be focusing on yet another emotion, regret and the guilt that comes with it. It is going to be a great episode. Be sure to join us for that. And please follow or like us on Facebook or Instagram at Women of the Word CTW for some great content that is helpful, encouraging, and challenging. Don't forget to subscribe to Unshaken on your favorite podcast directory. We have a new episode that drops each and every Thursday. And if you subscribe, you will get notifications that remind you of this. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time. Mm-hmm.